0: Welcome to the Beyond the Scalpel podcast. For this week's episode, we have Aaron Burton, who is the CEO of Cyton. Cyton is one of the top laser device companies in North America and really produces some of the most outstanding devices in the market. Aaron's from Texas uh, and I did my fellowship in Texas. I had a great time talking to him about what got him to this point It's such a successful company and what he thinks about the corporate culture surrounding aesthetics. So enjoy this conversation. This was a lot of fun.
1: Hey Aaron, how are you doing? Good man, your setup looks much better than mine. (laughs) <laughs> you look like you've done this before. That's not fair. <laughs> uh,
0: once or twice. No, I think you've done it. I think you've actually done this more than I have.
1: <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But my setup's definitely not as good as yours. I'll tell you that.
0: Well, I like I like the signs in the background. I do like yeah. that. That's cool. Is this, is this your office or your home?
1: Yeah, this is my, this is my home office. Is that right? Um, you know, it's interesting. I live in Dallas, but I'm based out of Palo Alto. So I I travel. I used to travel back and forth a lot. So this is the home office, and then I've got a I've got my desk in Palo Alto too. So, yeah. So why why have you done that? I don't. You know th- this. I guess that's kind of my my mantra is in the background. And you know I always talk about mindset, uh, hustle, help others, and then results uh, are kind of the four things. That, it's kind of the it's one of the corporate kind of philosophies we always talk yeah. about. And you know, one you got to get your mind right, especially in the crazy world we're in right now. And you know, the hard work and helping other people is kind of who Saiton's always been. It's who we've always been. So I don't know. It, it, right. it was all books up there. I put some of the books away and added those.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, but I meant the Palo Alto, working in Palo Alto while you're living in Dallas. Is, is that no, I just...
1: just I, yeah. I've, we've been in Texas so long. We just haven't wanted to, we haven't wanted to move. You know, it's so I just rather travel back and forth and uh, you know, it was, it was when I became the COO, it was just an agreement we had was, hey, I don't, I don't think I plan on moving to California. I don't mind traveling. I love it there, but I don't want to, I don't want to leave Texas. So. Yeah. Are uh, you finding that difficult just, right now? What's that?
0: Are you finding it difficult right now?
1: Um, not as much. I mean, I probably for me personally, because I, I like traveling and I like being, being there, but we have a really good team. You know, our president is based there and, you know, we have a lot of our leaders there. So it's, it's been tough because I like going back and forth but the reality is we're we're doing pretty darn well so it's other than that part it's working okay
0: yeah I guess I meant with covid so do you find yeah. the traveling back and forth do you have to get regular testing before you travel or when you get there do you got tests or do you have to quarantine
1: yeah you know they California did just they just changed it so it's kind of been they've changed their guidelines but just I think it was just yesterday they went into you know the fort now it was actually probably last week they went into the 14 day quarantine if you're from a further than 150 miles away from Santa Clara County, which is where we're based in Palo Alto. So now I'm not going back, but before they didn't have the quarantine. So it was generally, I would more just out of precaution, you know, I'd go get a negative test and uh, I'd go get tested before I would go, but I didn't, uh, but I'm not going that often now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah, not as, not as frequent as it used to be. Yeah. I know. And, right, and, I, and I would imagine it probably won't be till February. I'm guessing before I'd be back out there. So
0: yeah, and you could probably do most of your stuff by video conferencing.
1: Yeah, that's how we we have we have ten Zoom meetings a day. <laughs> it's it's crazy how many meetings a day we have.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, thank thanks for doing this with me. I'm I'm thrilled Appreciate that you. uh, you're able to join me. Um, yeah, Andrew
1: said really good things. He's he's a he's a big fan of yours. So.
0: Well, I'm I'm a big fan of you guys, actually. To be quite honest, I um I you know you're in Dallas. I did my fellowship in Dallas. Uh, That's what he said. That's yeah, what he said. and uh, one of the uh, surgeons I did my fellowship with was Jay Burns. And, oh, I love. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and yeah. when I started practice, um, I, I'm I'm in Ontario, and when I started practice, I came. The first thing I did was start a laser practice, and I was trying to establish my own relationships with devices and device companies and making my choices. And, uh, first thing I did was I gotta, I gotta call Jay I gotta ask his opinion. Um, you know, he's the yeah. guy I trust most. There's nobody I trust more, uh, with regards to their, um, experience and opinions on lasers than Jay Burns. And, uh, I don't mean this to be a commercial for him, but <laughs> it's just yeah. the truth. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, he, I remember he spent about 40 minutes, Trying to convince me to stick with Cyton. he was like, "You're you're you're making a mistake if you don't get a Saiton machine, and if you don't go with that company, and it just uh, and and it always stuck with me how and, you know and he, and he was really telling me from the bottom of his heart like what he truly believed, not not yeah. as a not as a consultant, yeah. and so I think I, that's I,
1: ultimately why he's gotten such a his reputation has gotten to be so good, is he's not one of the bought and paid for guys. He's he gives sincere you know feedback and he's a, he's a good friend of mine obviously we live in the same town so i, I just had dinner with him 2 weeks ago yeah. um so it uh, he's a, he's a good friend of mine he's a really good guy
0: but you know it it, it did strike me about Saiton and the company that you do have a very loyal base of people who use the products and who are who are, who are true believers um particularly about the bbl um i yeah. think there's it's it's pretty a strong, loyal following. It's a pretty clear, clearly head and shoulders above anything else. But yeah. um, it, it, it is it is interesting. I mean, it, I think the people who have used your devices uh, are are really part of the part of the group kind of thing. Like they they're not yeah. they're they're not using anything else. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah, find you that?
1: The, like, yeah, you hear the you know the cliche, I guess, or the hey, they're you're you're part of the family. But I think it really means something at Cyton because it's rare that someone buys Cytan and then doesn't continue to buy or continue working with this. One, I mean, the devices work for a long time. I mean, they're built to last for a long time. So, you know, if you get a BBL, which you're right, BBL is our number one selling product. It's been our number one selling product for 10 years. Um, Halo is really good. You know, full field Erbium, fractional Erbium are great, is good. But BBL is our number one. And it has got a big brand behind it now. And it's, you know, it's certainly helped us, but, you know, it lasts a long time. The hand pieces last a long time. And I think uh, it's, it's kind of a, you, you know, as well as I do, it's an interesting industry we're in where, you know, a lot of devices are made for. You know, to work for two, three, five years well I know it's
0: that's exactly right I mean they're almost i mean I hate to say they're disposable, but because they're really not i mean these machines are hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're yeah. they're certainly not meant to last for a long time and and yeah. companies even the way that companies add in disposable features into each of the machines now, I think that's that's a new trend. Um, yeah. Which I've noticed over the past, I, you know, I don't think I noticed that before five, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I go back to this. Uh, has that always been a, a, an intended corporate philosophy for Cyton to create that level of commitment and kind of um, connection with their users?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, part of the reason that is, is, you know, our founders, Jim Hobart and Dan Negus are both physicists. I mean, they're both engineers or they're more on the scientist side, not on the business side. So when they build something, they, you could argue they over-engineer it. They're building it to last for a really, really, really long time. Um, And, uh, you know, in our our platform, as you know, the Jewel platform is designed to keep adding modules or adding new lasers. So really the concept is you want a platform that's going to last a long time because every two or three years, instead of buying a new laser, you're putting a new platform on the laser, which is probably about half the price, but you have to build them kind of like a tank if you're going to expect them to last that long and keep adding things to them. So yeah, that's been our strategy since day one. You know, Jim and Dan wanted systems that lasted a long time.
0: Yeah, what about the BBL? Um, What was the history of the BBL? How did you get something that was so different than any other IPL?
1: Yeah, you know, um, our R&D team, I don't always, I, I best, the best description I would give to them is they're very innovative, but they're not always the first one. I don't think they always want to be the first one with the technology. They just make technology better. <laughs> so, you know, IPL came out before BBL did, and they really took what was already out there and just made it different. I mean, they, you know, it's got two flash lamps inside of it, what makes it, makes it last a lot longer. It's got the adapters, it's got the, you know, adjustable filters, which is pretty unique. So they really just took something and studied what was out there and learn from physicians like yourself on you know what do we what do we do what do we do different and how do we make it better and they just listen to the physicians out there and that's really how bbl that's where it came from
0: yeah why do, why do you think you haven't been copied i mean it's such an amazing device why Why hasn't somebody copied that and made an equally powerful IPL?
1: <laughs> that's a good question i mean i do think there are some technologies that are really hard to copy um, i'm not sure it's impossible to copy i just maybe they just maybe I do think in the IPL BBL world, our industry has moved away from it. It's kind of like it's an old technology and they want to move into body contouring and RF and micro needling RF or you know, and we we still think there's a huge market in just the energy or the light-based treatments we've we're spending a ton of time just building on the bbl technology Well, well
0: that's an interesting point because i i have said that and i've said that a lot that with with every you know our industry is full of trends and fads and right now there's a lot of a lot of kind of movement towards contouring and skin tightening and some machines that you know may or may not be beneficial or kind of have a really significant impact but um but there there's so much movement towards some of these new devices it's it's almost like the industry's forgotten about some of the foundational devices that have really rock solid evidence for how well yeah. they function and and i it's i have thought about this um, with my own residents and my own students when i talk to them, they'll they 'll oftentimes call me and and ask my opinion and i say don't forget about the the basic machines that have been around forever and particular i i do mention the bbl i think sometimes maybe it's just because old things are boring (laughs) Uh, but it is an unbelievable machine and and uh, again i go back i just i i it amazes me that um something like that and and there's lots of examples of things like that that just get forgotten about and simply probably because they've been around forever Uh, but people take a focus into another direction which is it has not so much evidence, but they forget about some of the devices that have really been amazing for a long time.
1: yeah, yeah, I mean our industry we're known for that I mean it's the new shiny toy, everybody's looking for the new shiny toy and some of the great technology, and you know there's other products out there from other companies that are great technology that you know well some you know unless there's people like yourself or the Jay Burns of the world that are training and teaching people on just the best technology, not the newest technology you know, that's, that's what's really helped us a lot is, you know, it's, you know, our full field Erbium is still a good seller, which some people don't even, I mean, they still think of full field CO2. When they think of that stuff, it scares them, but, you know, full field Erbium still has its place and we still have a lot of doctors doing it. So, uh, but that's, that's the first product we rolled out 23 years ago and we still have it. (laughs) It's kind of, kind of amazing. Yeah. So, so, you know, what do you see
0: kind of going forward then? Tell me about your, your R and D and what you see. Are, are you guys diving into the, the new trends in body contouring and skin tightening as well? Or where, where do you see Cyton going?
1: You know, we're, I mean, we're always looking for new stuff. I would definitely say that the body contouring, um, you know, some radio frequency stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things we're working on. I would say there's the pieces that we really look at is we're always trying to take existing technology and how can we make it better for one for the provider. So whoever's doing the treatment, how can we make it better for the end user or the patient is it going to actually be a better result. Um, so we're always working on existing stuff, but then there's always the blue ocean that is something brand new that people always want. So, I mean, we are always looking for a, a different technology and there's definitely some gaps out there. I mean, I think body contouring has become a big thing, but there's still a lot of gaps in body contouring. Um, there's the, you know, the, the surgical stuff that, you know, plastic surgeons are doing. That is the, you know, as good as it gets, but then there's a lot of people that don't want the downtime and there's some good technologies out there now, but there's definitely some gaps there um, on skin tightening. There's certainly some gaps. I mean, there's uh, some products that are okay, but I don't. I don't know if I'd say there's really anybody. If you get ten different, you know, uh, providers on a call and ask them what's the best skin tightening product, they'll give you ten different answers, or they'll tell you ten things don't work. I mean, they there's it's it's interesting. You know, we talk to you know KOLs all the time, and one thinks it's okay, and one thinks that's terrible, and then maybe you know ten percent thinks something's great. So. Skin tightening and, you know, cellulite's another big one that we're always looking into. Of What are things we can do there? Um, I think we have 14 things in the research. We have more than 14. If you took the whole research and the development pipeline, there's near 20 projects the team's working on right now. So
0: so, so um, how do you, you know, this is, this fascinates me. So how do you decide uh, on what to have the team work on? Do you look globally at what global trends are? Because, I, and I, you know, I say this to a lot of the other CEOs I've ch- chatted with. Um, different parts of the world are very different in what they focus yeah. on and what they think is important. So if you looked at North America and the American market versus South America or the Asian market, you'd probably see vastly different uh, areas that people are kind of growing towards. So as, as a company, how do you decide what is gonna be that next thing that you guys are really diving into?
1: Yeah, that, that's not easy to answer. That's a good question, but it's that's a hard one to answer. Because you're you are you're certainly looking at worldwide trends, and you're right. If, you know, if we go to our direct operations in Japan, it's very different. What they're looking for and what our North American, you know, teams are looking for are very different. So there's certainly the trends. You know, you're you're always looking at what is hot, and you want to get into that too. You know, micro needling RF is hot. You know, RF body contouring is hot. Um, I would say that our R and D guys struggle with the just just go copy it because it's hot. They really want to come up with a way that they have to be able to make it better. If they can't make it unique and better, they're not going to go do it. So there is certainly, we're looking at the trends. I mean, you're looking for an opportunity where you think that you can help a provider uh, provide a great treatment. And then is obviously a big revenue stream for the company too. And those are both win-wins, but there's a lot of products we could roll out right now that would make us a ton of money that we don't think are that great of products. We think they're just okay. So, you know, when we talk about quality, that's one of the things our R&D people talk about. Is the product just okay or is it a great product? And if it's not a great product, they don't want to just go copy somebody. They've got to come up with something that's better or unique and different. And so part of it comes to how big is the market opportunity? Is it going to help the patient? And can we make something unique and different?
0: Well, I, I applaud you for that, that kind of stance because I, I think that's great. And that's probably why you have such a strong reputation for quality. But but do you fear that you will miss out if you don't jump, jump into the fray all the time,
1: all the time. So how do you, how do
0: you balance <laughs> that? How do you balance it? Cause you're not necessarily going to know what's a winner unless you're, you know, unless you're going to the, going to the dance kind of thing.
1: <laughs> I would say that, that, that's, again, that's a, that's a hard thing to answer because I worry about that all the time. You know, I don't, I wouldn't say that's my sense of paranoia, but I'm always thinking about, you know, should we be getting into that? Are we missing an opportunity? And I would just say, I mean, between our KOL community and our own people, it's somewhat of a community gut feel, I guess. I mean, when we, for instance, you know, we just rolled out something called BBL Hero, which yeah. is an enhancement or an even better version of our existing BBL that's been around for a long time. Yeah. We debated about rolling that out for a long time. You know, why? we really thought it's been, the, it's been in the works but why? for a long time. Well, one, one, we weren't sure if it was good enough. This is again our, our engineers over engineering it or trying to make it better and they kept trying to wanting to do other things and that's there's still R&D stuff with B BBL right now we're, we're going to make it even better but you know those you don't know when they're all going to come out but they're always trying to make something better but you're always going well you already have it yeah it's that much different and you're really you're balancing resources you go well we've got BBL hero but again, we've got near 20 other projects we could be working on. Yeah. Which one do you focus on? Well, you're exactly
0: in- right because you've, you've already got a product that's market leader. And right. Are you, are you going to put resources in to, to separate yourself even that much further? Or are you going to go towards RF or
1: something else? And, and right. exactly. that's it. That's exactly. an And we have an RF fun. team, so we could have focused on RF. But ultimately, the, where really the tipping point was we had enough people in the field just saying, wow wow, this is game changing. I mean, you kind of, you get the feedback and it wasn't you hear it from one person or two people. We heard it from so many people. We thought, okay, we just need to move forward. You know, we need to put all of our resources into it and we just doubled down. You know, we had a lot, we had a team working on it, but we doubled down on who was working on it. And, uh, you know, and ultimately it ha- that's what happens. You know, we have our 20 projects and you determine which ones are going to be the most impactful. Um, and then you kind of move those to the front and you keep working on others. And some of the research is, you know, clinical study stuff that takes years. So, you know, that stuff's not going to be out for a while, but you know, in our business, you know, you're, you're rolling out products every year. I mean, one big piece is you have to roll out some big enhancement or some big new product every single year. And, you know, that's the cadence that we try to follow too.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um, So, so back to this global, the the global idea. So, so as a global company um, where, where do you take your cues from? Uh, do you do you pick one part of the world or um, are you are you looking at what's happening all over
1: yeah we try to look for what's happening all over because i mean like you mentioned i mean if you go to our asian pacific group which is one of our top selling groups what they're looking for is very different i mean they're they they want different types of products so you know for us i mean we're looking at uh, again i mean is it how big is the opportunity and if we see a huge opportunity in apac or we see a huge opportunity in europe I mean, they, they, that team, those teams definitely have an influence and we've seen, you know, our international uh, we've seen a lot of success and a lot of growth. We've gone direct uh, in Australia. We announced that we're going direct in the UK. Um,
0: that was just last month. I saw.
1: Just last month that we announced that. And uh, we're our, actually the country manager is from the U S and is trying to get over there. So it has, not it hasn't happened as smoothly or as we expected, but I don't even know if I would say we expected it to be smooth, but, uh, but we see a lot of international expansion. So To answer your question, we really have to listen to everybody. It's certainly not just a—we're not just a North American company, we're not just a U.S. company. I mean, we've got you know KOLs and our team up in Canada. We've got you know people all over the world we're listening to, and you're really trying to balance
0: all of that. Can you talk about some of the differences between global trends? I mean, I I think this is fascinating. Can you can you speak a little bit about what you see as being, for instance, a trend in Asia that is not not the same as, for instance, in North America?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, the the trends that we see in Asia and most people, I don't know if they realize this, but to go back to BBL, BBL is a very, but they're different skin types and you would say they're more, it's harder and more complicated skin types to treat. Therefore, some people would go, you don't treat a, you know, Asian skin type with an IPL or a BBL, but BBL is a booming product over there. It is very, very big. Um, So we spend a lot of time and resources on, you know, part of the BBL hero came from, from them, you know, came from ideas and concepts over there. Um, I remember I was in Japan last year and I remember there was, it was, I don't know if I can recall specifically what it was, but I remember our uh, Japan general manager giving us ideas and concepts on things that we should be doing. So, you know, d- definitely different skin types. So, you know, treating someone who's a Fitzpatrick one or a two versus a you know, Fitzpatrick four or five is very different and you have to design and build products that are specific for that. So um, I think that answers your question. Yeah. But, you know, Japan has yeah. certainly been, a, we're, we have director operations in Japan. So we we get a lot of feedback from them. Yeah. Um,
0: now uh, I saw that you, you, you started out in women's health. Is that right? Within yeah. the Saitan, I, I started group. as a,
1: yeah, I actually started as a sales rep. Um, in 2011, I started as a sales rep here in Dallas. Um, and then I would say my big move here at Saitan was when I, we created our women's health group and, uh, Jim Hobart, our CEO at the time, now our chairman of the board had asked, uh, if I was interested in running it. And I really thought, I don't know, I don't know if I, I should get into that. I don't I mean, that's not, a, I'm not an expert in women's health. That's not a field i I know very well. Um, so I really struggled with doing it and, uh, it actually worked out to be a great move. The women's health group and the Diva product, which we're doing a, a ton of clinical research. Uh, we're working with the FDA right now. Um, we, we still believe that'll be a huge opportunity, uh, for us and candidly, it's going to be great for women. I mean, it's been a good product for us now, but clearly there's a lot of things we can't do. Um, and we don't market for that, you know, but we know it can treat. So we're doing, we're going, you know, more of the FDA route on those. And, uh, we expect that it's probably a couple years out still, but, uh, yeah. I would just say the Women's Health Group was a good move for me.
0: It, now, um, I just noticed it's, that is also an area that has really grown over the past couple of years, wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I think across yeah. the board for most companies, recognizing that there are legitimate problems that some of these devices can help with. Yeah. Do you see that trend continuing or is it kind of plateaued? My yes. sense is that we've just kind of started
1: that whole thing. Specific to women's health,
0: yeah, specific to women's health. Yeah.
1: No, I think that will definitely take off. I mean, I, I ultimately believe that that field will be bigger than our aesthetics field. Um, you know, that we don't. You know, we're pretty limited on you know what we can say. I mean, our indication right now is for treating scars. In Canada, we have a ton of indications, actually. But um, you know, worldwide, we don't have a lot of indications, so we've really gone more of the clinical study route to really, you know, give the FDA more of what they're asking for. But that treatment we know works very, very well. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of patients that have had that treatment, and the reviews that we get and the feedback we get isn't like you know getting a BBL treatment. I mean, BBL treatment is moving, and you know, you look better and people feel good. But you know, the Diva treatment is life changing. Um, the challenge is we know we're limited on what we can say and what we want to say and how we want to market it. So, which, so we are limited there.
0: Which, which specific, um, pr- clinical problem are you referring to?
1: Um, you know, in Canada, more specific, you know, we can, you know, dysprunia, um, uh, dryness, lubrication, uh, sexual function. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of indications we have in Canada, but again, in most, most uh, countries in the world, we don't have those indications. So in the U S we don't market or talk about those things. Um, and that's, but in Canada we can.
0: So what do you think is holding it back? Do you think it's, do you think it's a general unawareness that there are devices that can help with some of these problems or is it even a not recognizing these problems are as
1: widespread as they are? Well, I think in the, in the women's health community in the OBGYN and the Urogyne community, I think it's widely known. Um, that these are pretty serious problems. And I, I think it's becoming more accepted. I certainly, you know, lasers that, that, you know, the OBGYN field wasn't the field like plastic surgeons or dermatologists that knew lasers very well. So I would definitely say there was a hesitancy. They were very, you know, uh, hesitant to accept it, but I think there's a lot more acceptance now. And as more clinical studies are coming out and as companies like Cyton are putting a lot more clinical money, clinical study money into it, I think it's becoming more accepted, but there's certainly fields that don't know lasers as well as plastic surgeons and dermatology. I think that's part of it. And when you think about it, I mean, when you think about doing the treatment with a laser, yeah, I could see how that would someone who doesn't know, you know, you know, medical lasers very well, it would be concerning. I get it. So, and uh, you know, so we understand why we don't necessarily agree with it, but we, we understand why.
0: Yeah so um let's maybe let's take a little bit of a um, detour back to you uh yeah. you became ceo um this past year or is it a year ago that you took over yeah Earlier this year. yeah congratulations thank you thank you and um maybe you know i've i've followed you a little bit and i know some of like the these these signs that are behind you um i know what what's important to you and and the quality and the ethic but maybe Talk a little bit about your leadership style and what you think you bring uh, to that CEO position.
1: Yeah, I would you know I would think my style or the people I work with that know me know that uh, you know I think in in our business in I'd say in our business I think just in leadership as you move up the ranks I think the egos ultimately are what get leaders and I think that's ultimately what brings people down and you know I've really tried to focus on you know bringing optimism to the table bringing gratitude to the t- table. You know, our founders, Jim and Dan, you know, are a company that uh, they want to share the company or employee owned. So all of the employees have shares, but we've tried to do more things to show that we care for our people. Like we started profit sharing, uh, quarterly profit sharing, which was something new that we started about two, maybe two and a half years ago. Um, You know, we just gave out our largest profit sharing or one of our largest profit sharing checks ever, you know, after our Q3 results. Um, so, you know, if anything, I think I've probably tried to share more of what our founder and our former CEO and now chairman of the board, Jim Hobart, which is more about Cyton cares and Cyton wants to share with the people. And, you know, when someone does well, you want to reward them when the company does well, you want to reward them, you know, versus you, you know, I think that, you know, CEOs of the world have this, uh, probably bad reputation of they're driving around in Ferraris and Lamborghinis and don't care about people. And, um, and while there's probably some truth to some of that, I think we all know that there are companies that truly care about their people and rather than taking all the money and pocketing it. And candidly, you know, Jim Hobart's the majority shareholder. He could take it all. There's, no one makes us give profit sharing checks. No one makes us, you know, share with the people. Uh, he ultimately could do what he wants, but he doesn't, want, he doesn't want the money. I mean, you know, another thing that uh, I've really been tasked with was, you know, we, we're a 23, I always say we're a 23-year-old IPO, pre-IPO startup. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, but now one of our objectives is to go public. And the big reason for that is it helps our people. You know, if we as a, as a private company, you don't have the same equity opportunities as a public company. And so the majority, the number one reason we're going public would be we want to help our people. There's other benefits too, obviously like raising capital, but the number one reason we're doing it is to help our people.
0: But do you, do you worry about losing some of that ethic? Because there's, there's not too many... CEOs of publicly traded companies that have signs behind them that say help others and, yeah. <laughs> and, are, and are actively promoting profit sharing to their employees, right? So, yeah. so yeah, is I'm that a-, a worry that your culture, I mean, it, you, the, the company has developed such a strong culture. And, it, and I think that personally, I think that's what part of why um, that spills over to the clientele and what people notice mostly about Saitan. But do you worry that you'll lose that?
1: Yeah, no, I do. Uh, That's something that certainly keeps me up at night and we've thought a lot about and we've thought about and when we talk, we talk about protecting our culture. You know, how do we, you know, go public? How do we become a public company but still protect our culture? And I think we've got, you know, ways we can do that. But that is certainly a focus is, you know, we can't get away from who we are. You know, we can't have investors come in and totally change the company that, uh, you know, or all of the things that's made us successful for 23 years. I think part of it's just being mindful of that it's, you know, asking and talking about that. Like the question you just asked me all the time, you know, are we protecting our culture? Are we still looking out for our people? You know, we, um, you know, we have things like, um, you know, our site on values, you know, we have bookmarks that everybody has that have our uh, do the right thing credo. And it's, you know, it starts off with, you know, trust and value people, Uh, have a heart, be kind, lead with love, be grateful uh, to give as they get. And we try to keep this stuff, you know, you know, front and center and top of mind so we don't get away from it. Because, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I worry about it. I worry about it a lot.
0: I mean, I, I think it needs to be stressed. That, that's really pretty amazing. I mean, you're, you are at, at the kind of at the core. You're a laser company and you've got a motto that says lead with love. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. what it, what an example to other companies as to how to lead and how to be leaders and really affect change in a positive way. And both are yeah. both your employees as well as your clientele, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of our, one of things we talk about is people ask me, I remember someone asking this question years ago and they said, well, what would you put first people, your people or your customers? And I didn't have to think a second about it. Our people definitely come first because if we don't take care of our people, there's no way they're going to take care of our customers. But if you have happy people, and I can tell you, I've learned that from Southwest airlines and uh, I don't, I don't think South, I don't even know if Southwest even flies into Canada. So you may not know them very well, but they, they're a, an airline based out of Dallas and their whole philosophy was based on their culture and taking care of their people. And they're an example. I would say we are the uh, Southwest airlines, of the aesthetic industry, where we put our people first. We know our customers are important. We wouldn't be here without them, but we know that if we take care of our people, that they ultimately take care of our customers and we definitely put our people first. So is that your leadership style? I would say that. Yeah. yep. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you know, my title is the CEO, but I think I'm more of the chief culture officer. I mean, I think I'm more on, I just have to protect the culture. And if the two big things would be, how do I make us a public company and how do I make sure I protect the culture along the way? And we have those conversations. It's funny you're asking that because we have that conversation every week on the leadership. We have a weekly leadership meeting and protecting our culture is a weekly topic.
0: So, so talk about those signs behind you then. What what do they mean to you?
1: Yeah, so these, um, you know, so I start off with the mindset. You know, I'm I'm always a believer that, you know, controlling your mind. I, I always tell people, I think we're all in sales. You know, some people go, ah, I'm not in sales. And I'm like, no, everybody's in sales because every morning you wake up and you tell yourself something. You either tell yourself the world's terrible, the world's great, my job sucks, my job's great. Every morning you're waking up and you're selling yourself something. So I think the to me, the foundation And I can tell you, I've always told people that I believe one of the reasons I've been successful is because I keep my mind right. Even when things are going wrong, you got to control your mind. So, you know, there's mindset, I believe in working hard. And even as a CEO, I think you got to work as hard, if not harder than everybody else. You know, if you're not working hard, the people around you won't work hard. And the one thing I think that gets missed in business is you have to focus on helping people. And I think that's kind of one of the missed pieces is I think uh, investors look for revenue. They want to see top line growth. And some, in some cases it's whatever it takes to get there. And I think yeah, along the way you, you forget you got to help people along the way. And I'm a firm believer in a quote from Zig Ziglar and it's uh, you can have everything you want in life if you just help other people first and on all of my emails and people see it all the time, it's something I definitely preach. And the one that I don't know if you can see, is it, uh, over there, which is results. And I think results matter, you know, we can always talk about reasons and excuses, but at the end of the day, and if Cyton's going to become a publicly traded company, we need products that produce results, and that's why our, our uh, tagline under our logo is because results matter. And we know that if we can build a product that really produces results and isn't just okay, then we think we'll be fine, and we think we'll do well. So uh, those are the four things I've talked about all the time, and uh, you know every morning when I walk up, I wake up and come into my office. Those are the four things I'm thinking about every day.
0: I mean, it's pretty inspirational. Do you, you, you've got to, and you got to instill this in your personal life too. No.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it ends up becoming uh, the dinner conversation or the family conversation. Or you know, I'll plug my my oldest daughter, Kaylee. She she always asks. She goes, "When you do one of these podcasts, how are you going to mention my name?" She always asks me that. <laughs> <laughs> the but kids want to uh, be yeah. The kids
0: want to get famous, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know all of the kids, you know Kaylee included. It's something we talk about all the time. There
0: we go. Sorry about that. A Little minor glitch. Technology. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you were. Yeah. So you were telling us a story about your daughter Kaylee.
1: Yeah, it was. You were asking about the. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of crosses over from business to personal and the, the family and the kids. And Kaylee specifically, we, I guess we all, you know, we all talk to each other about when one is having a bad day or a bad moment about getting your mind right. So it's, it's funny that Kaylee and the kids will, will say, Dad, get your mind right. Stop thinking like that. Get your mind right. So it, it definitely crosses over.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are great ethical virtues that, you know, spill over into family life and raising kids and uh, having a strong influence in young people, too.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely
0: um your son is a football player
1: he is yeah he uh he plays he's a true freshman at the university of tulsa so it's about three and a half hours north of us where we're at and he loves it he uh he he would tell you he he goes to college not for the education he goes to college for football the education will be one of the (laughs) benefits (laughs) yeah yeah. he's there for sports
0: yeah that's good yeah. Um, uh, Aaron, what what about COVID? How did COVID affect Cytan? Uh, as a company, did you find that it affected uh, your sales? Um, how the company functioned? What were the big changes coming out of COVID? Yeah, it de- it
1: definitely hit us. Like I think probably like most. I mean, it was it was. You know, we had our annual meeting. I remember it was March fifth. The whole company. This was really before it kind of got crazy, and it was right on the fringe of should we have the meeting or not have the meeting. We had the meeting and like two weeks later, everything shut down. It was, it was really like a punch in the face. I mean, our leadership team, and I only, I had only been the CEO for man, maybe a month. Our entire leadership team started having daily calls and, you know, it's hard to forecast. It's really hard to forecast when you don't think you're going to have revenue for six months. I mean, at one point our uh, international team and our North American uh, leaders, they weren't forecasting sales until October you know, so, I, you know, Q2 was painful. It was, it was not a profitable quarter. It was a struggle, but, um, you know, I will tell you our leadership team did it. And I, I give them, uh, you know, I acknowledge them all the time because they are ultimately the one the ones that went back to our core values and said, we're not going to fire anybody. We're not going to furlough anybody. We need to protect our people. So, you know, the leadership team all took a 20% pay cut to start. And then uh, we had, Uh, dozens and dozens of people that volunteered their salaries. And then we ended up doing a across the board pay cut for everybody in the company. And so Q2 was pretty tough, but um, it was amazing how quickly it bounced back though. And I don't know if you've seen that too in your practice, but it bounced back really quick.
0: So, so you guys were able to get through that, not have to do any layoffs, um, manage the decrease in sales just simply through everybody sacrificing, I mean, living up to some of these qualities.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's really where your core values in the, you know, we call it the Saitan way, I guess, is another thing or do the right thing credo. You know, all of those things really played a part. And when you when you're faced with something that crazy and unexpected, that you can't plan for. I mean, you, those things are the stuff that you should lean on and our team did it. And it really said a lot that we didn't fire anybody or furlough anybody. And, and I got to say that the recovery, I think, was mainly because we didn't do that. You know, if you go look at uh, analysts' forecasts just for our publicly traded competitors, most of them are going to be way off this year and we'll grow. We won't have record-breaking growth, but we'll grow, you know, 3 to 5%, you know, considering we didn't do much of anything in Q2. Uh, November, we were up 48%. Um, So we've, I I think that's mainly because we didn't, one, we rolled out some great products, but also because we didn't lay any of our people off. We didn't have to start over. You know, we, I would say we hedged our bets or we made our bets and we bet on our people. And I think that really worked out for us. And I think it's a good story because we we could have gone the other way.
0: Right. Now we're not totally out of the pandemic. We're like in the, in the beast of the belly here with the second wave, at least in Canada we are. And I know the States, the numbers are really high. Do you guys forecast any changes coming forward? Are you, are you bracing yourself
1: for any um, downturn? You know, you know the thing that our, our leading indicator so far has been um, patient traffic. You know, on our systems, we have something called Saitan IQ. So it's really more service related, but it also tells us how many treatments our providers are doing. And it's been on our systems for about two years now. So we really follow that. And so far, you know, we certainly saw the drop in Q2, but we saw it recover really fast. And when we saw the treatment volume recover, capital sales and sales recovered right there with it. And we haven't seen it fall off. Now there's certainly different countries that have had different shutdowns. When one company is re- or one country is really improving, you'll see another country or another piece of a country that, you know, is you know, going down to a total lockdown. Um, But overall, if we look at it worldwide, we've seen it's been pretty resilient. It's been pretty impressive to watch. So right now, the feedback we're getting, you know, from really around the world is there's still a lot of optimism. And I think that optimism is what keeps people doing treatments and coming back for more treatments and why doctors are buying systems. If that optimism goes away, which in, you know, in February or I'd say March and April, there wasn't a lot of optimism. No one really knew what was going to happen. So there was nobody buying anything or doing any treatments then. Uh, and, and so Aaron, how do you, how
0: do you track the number of treatments? Can I ask you that?
1: How do yeah, you track so how many is being done? Yeah. So the newer systems, um, they have a wireless modem in them and it's sending feedback back to our, um, servers. And it's basically what it's telling us is it's giving us a lot of uh, service information. So if there's service errors or there's something going on with the system, the technical people and the service people could call and be more proactive, but it's also telling us how many treatments is someone doing on the BBL handpiece. You know, how many treatments have we done on the erbium head? You know, how many halo treatments have been done? So it gives us specific data. So we know, you know, treatment volume. So if we compare the two year over year, it's impressive. The average treatment per system is up, up year over year. Is that right? And, and that's globally? That's globally. Yeah, we've definitely seen different, you know, parts of North America and definitely parts of different countries where you'll see it fall off. But overall, if you take our overall treatments worldwide, uh, it's up year over year. Hmm. and and the hero you brought out the hero in the fall in this
0: fall and that was released was that Hmm. intended or was it were you supposed to release that earlier
1: in the year but it got delayed because of covid yeah that's exactly right we were going we were planning originally to launch it in march and then we decided to hold off and we didn't i guess we rolled it out into the summer i think it was it's probably been out there two or three months now and um yeah we strategically thought this is probably not the right time to roll out a new product so (laughs) So, we 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 just rolled it out well, uh, well, it's a great product. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. I mean, it's well, one, you, you know, IPL, I mean, most people, most people are scared of lasers, but you know, IPL and BBL is not, it's not an easy treatment either. And really the concept with smart BBL was one, it was allowing people to do treatments anywhere on the body and all over the body, but also to do it quickly and safely. And, you know, if you have a, a provider or a nurse or an esthetician, or even a physician that doesn't know the system, you know, you've, you've got to be careful with an IPL or a BBL. So we've really, that goes back to one of the things I mentioned earlier, we're trying to make things uh, better for the provider and then better for the, you know, the patient too. And that's what BBL Hero is. It really makes the treatment easier because for the provider, it's really fast, but it's also safer. Okay, Aaron, what do you see as the future of Cyton? Well, I mentioned the, you know, our intent and our plan to go public. So I think that we plan to do that. And our goal is to do that by 2023. So we're really heavily focused on that. But uh, I think the two keys to that are uh, always focusing on our people and then always rolling out new products and constantly rolling out new products. So we, those are the two main things we stay focused on. So I would, I would say you, you know, the, the next couple of years, I mean, our product pipeline is pretty strong. I think you'll see some big things coming out. Some of those will be enhancements and improvements um there's a couple that'll be radically different it'll be you know somewhat uh you know people always use the term game changing but it'll just be very different and you know i think that's you know so i think we've got some good stuff coming in the can,
0: next can you tell us can you give us a hint about what what that might be
1: um I probably should not. <laughs> I'm trying. I would have to you think. Gotta, how you got to tell us something. It, you know? Just give
0: us a, give us a I, hint. Here. I know you've
1: got to ask that question, but. Give me a little, uh, just something. Just give me yeah, something. Yeah. Well, I would say that the, the one I'm, there's two of them, but the one of the ones I'm thinking of, I wouldn't call it blue ocean, meaning it's radically different in a sense that it's no one's even thinking of it or nobody knows a laser wavelength. I would say it's a radically different way of doing a treatment. And again, that's a big piece of, you know, we like the whole blue ocean and everybody wants something that's completely new and different, but we are heavily focused on making things better too. And this one is going to be something that's going to make it even better. And I think the providers will love it. And then in the end, the patients will love it too.
0: And when, when's that coming out? When can we expect that?
1: You know, in the R and D phase, you can never, I've learned real quick, you can't forecast those things. You, you, we, we are forecasting it for sometime next year, but I've learned that those things are somewhat of a moving target. So you need to have a bunch of balls in the air and, you know, you hope they all roll out when you want, but we, we anticipate uh, that one and another one next year.
0: And how about you personally, you've just taken over this position. I I know you love it. I mean, I think you're, you were born for this position, I think. Um, But, but tell me what, what's in store for you. What's, what's coming up?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it's probably a lot of the same. I mean, I, you, you've brought up some things that keep me up at night on a pretty regular basis, which, you know, when you go from being a private company that's employee owned to becoming a public company, that's pretty stressful in itself. Because like you said, you're trying not to change the culture. And, you know, how do you become a public company, but still have that family feel, you know, that we have right now? And, you know, that's ultimately my focus. There's a lot of other things along the way that, you know, I'm looking at or thinking about, but those are really the two big ones is, you know, how, to, how do we become public, which we've committed that to our people and now we need to go do it. And how do we protect our culture? Which I think those two things in itself are a full-time job. Plus, yeah. you know, do, you know, doing things for our people, rolling out new products, you know, watching revenue and income, all those things are important too. But those, those are the, the top two are becoming a public company and, protecting our culture. I think that'll keep me pretty busy.
0: What, what's your personally, your personal favorite treatment?
1: You know, I would have to say it's a mix between BBL and Moxie and Moxie we rolled out earlier this year too. And I would say Moxie probably wins because I've had more of those treatments. I think I've had five or six Moxie treatments um, and I've had two or three BBL treatments and maybe one halo treatment. So I think that probably tells you moxie. If I've had five or six of them. That one probably wins. So
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I got to say, I love the BBL. I mean, I think I've, I talk about it endlessly, but I, I personally got to say that I love that BBL treatment
1: myself. It's hard not to love it. I mean, for sure. And my question for you is, have you ever done a treatment on yourself?
0: You mean, <laughs> you mean held the handpiece myself and fired it on myself? Yeah. I no, I, not because I wouldn't, but I, I never thought to do it. But I, 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 you know, I wouldn't put something like that past myself to do.
1: I, I see a lot of people that they say it's their favorite treatment and they do it on themselves. So I'm like, wow, I've never done that either. But I I see a lot of people do that. So,
0: <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Um, what's your
1: daily routine, Aaron? You know, it's certainly different now than it was, you know, earlier this year, but, you know, I usually do a lot of traveling, so I'm going back and forth between California and Texas, but, you know, I, you know, pre-COVID, I used to be a really early person. I've, you know, my schedule has changed a lot. You know, now I get up, you know, seven or eight, you know, but I immediately read a book. I'm usually reading something and, you know, having a coffee and then, you know, being a West Coast company in Texas, you know, you work till seven or eight, so you know, my routine is definitely different than it was traditionally. But, uh, you know, I, w- I will say one thing is I always start with reading a book. I mean, there's always some book I'm trying to read and something I'm trying to study. And as we're, you know, changing kind of the kind of company we are, we're trying to study or I'm trying to study as many other companies as I can learning what they did right and wrong. And uh, usually my morning time is the best time where the phone's not ringing and the emails aren't going crazy. And, you know, it's my free time to to yeah. How do
0: how do you keep yourself healthy?
1: You know, I'll tell you, my wife does that, to be honest. <laughs> she, you know, she's a health nut. So I always say when I travel, I gain five pounds. When I stay at <laughs> home, I lose five pounds. <laughs> so, uh, I, I have to give my wife Nani the credit for that. She is a, uh, she, uh, we eat very well. You know, we have a gym in the garage that uh, we use on a pretty frequent basis and we run the dogs, you know, once a day or every other day. And Uh, that's, I think, I think that's certainly an, you know, part of keeping your mind right, I think is keeping your body and staying healthy too. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when you get caught up in work and you get caught up in travel, you can forget about those things. And while, you know, I'm committed to work and to Saiton, you know, I'm not committed to giving up on other stuff either. And that's, you know, your health is really important as you know, and, uh, you know, we definitely stay focused on that.
0: Yeah. Um, would, would you give a piece of advice to some of the young people uh, that are coming up in the aesthetic industry and trying to create their own careers? What would you say to them?
1: You know, I'll tell you something I learned very early from a gentleman named Bob Brindley. And I remember him and another gentleman named Matt Toronto both taught me that uh, what you really need to do at the beginning, one, you've got the, the mantra I always talk about, about keep your mind right and hustle, but they really taught me about building a brand and build your own personal brand. You know, Saitan is itself or whatever company, you know, somebody works for, you know, that brand in itself represents you. So you want to go work for a company that makes you look good for sure. But I learned that my brand was really important you know, that my brand represented Saiton, and that people were going to buy from me as much as they were going to buy from, you know, and they buy from people as much as they buy from the, you know, the actual equipment provider. So they, you know, they're going to, if they don't like the sales rep or they don't like the people they're in front of, or don't believe those are people that want to have a partnership with them and help them, they're moving on to the next, you know, the next laser, even if that was the best laser out there. So I would say focus on building your brand and your brand is heavily built on ethics and doing the right thing and helping people. And I learned that early in the game. And I was grateful that uh, Bob Brinley and Matt Toronto taught me that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think the age of social media, if it's done one thing, it's, it's almost created this uh, awareness of anyone that they are a brand and making people astutely aware of their own brand every time they're on you know, social media or presenting themselves. And yeah. it's, a, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, really.
1: It is. And, you know, pre Saitan. so I started in 2011 and I wasn't even on social media before Saitan. When they said that is when I got into Facebook and I, I assume I got into Instagram at some point, but that was when I thought, well, if I'm going to build my brand, social media is going to help me do it. And, you know, it, obviously it, it is, it is crazy. It's the, the amount of influence that social media has on the world these days. Um, it's crazy, but it's a, uh, but it works. I'll tell you, it works
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, i ask everybody tell me uh, what is the one um, global issue or worldwide issue whether it's political or apolitical that that really resonates with you especially in this age of you know people arguing over everything and being Partesian, Um, what is the one thing that you would really want to tackle uh that's a that's a pretty deep question <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I bring it, I bring it, de- I bring it deep, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know, one thing I like about this is we didn't really prep and you didn't ask me that, but I know exactly what my answer is. And I think, you know, to piggyback on what we just talked about in the the world of social media in this world of politics and the world of, you know, media and, you know, you don't know what's real and not real. I think people lack, I think people lack empathy. And I wish people had more empathy and would really start to understand other people's viewpoints. I think we're all just quick to judge. I think we want to judge people and think that other people are terrible when there's, they probably have some reason for what they're doing. And there's some, you know, so I just, I guess ultimately, I think people, I wish people had more empathy or people would think about that, meaning I wish they would try to look at it from someone else's viewpoint instead of just judging someone or instead of seeing something on social media and letting it bother them or get upset by something you know, if they would almost just tap the brakes and stop and think and go, I wonder why they're saying that. And, 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 you know, in a, in a world that's all about politics, there's no empathy in politics. It's hard to watch. There is no empathy in that. And, you know, that politics is not to me, the real world. It's not how a business is run. I mean, it's not. And so I think it's, it's tough to watch some of that stuff, but really good question, but I would definitely say more empathy.
0: Well, I mean, I, I love hearing that. And, and I gotta be honest with you. I I love the fact that you and, and um, how your core values are so strong uh, have taken on the CEO position of such an important company in our industry. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you, Aaron. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I, I hope that maybe when you're ready to make this game-breaking uh, announcement that you'll give me a call and give me a heads up and we can chat about it before you let anyone else know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll make a deal with you. Once we can start traveling again, which I am sure, or I hope by then, travel becomes more normal again i will come visit and i'll tell you myself because uh i'd one i'd love to come visit and uh two i'll i will commit that i'll tell you about it first
0: well you know what i'll take you up on that and we'll have a we'll have a live podcast in person how's that i like it
1: i like it sounds like a plan
0: all right thanks so much aaron it was good talking to you. you you too take care